Welcome to another edition of the Brattlecast, a first-hand look at second-hand books and a whole lot more. I'm Jordan Rich with the owner, operator, and uh, and the man with all the stories from the Brattle Bookshop, Ken Gloss, the proprietor. And Ken, uh, this will be a quote spirited discussion today because we're going to delve into some uh, some old stuff that has to do with drinking and wine and spirits and bartending and all kinds of cool stuff. Well, one one of the things that's become very popular, people have always collected cookbooks, but especially in uh, with meals now and with finer restaurants and people having more access to them, wine is a very, very important part of that. And there are many people who collect wines. They, they collect wine. They're very much, they go to courses for wine. Uh, I even know one appraiser who went to a specific course just how to appraise wine. Mm. And, and the interesting part about that was she said, well, I don't have to know anything about the wine other than how valuable a particular wine is. I don't have to taste it. I don't have to, you know, and, and be able to authenticate labels and so on. But collecting wine has become very popular. Mm-hmm. And the books about vineyards uh, and wine making mm-hmm. and wine drinking and storage also have become quite collectible. So what I brought here, uh, I brought a few things, but the first one is a treatise on on the culture of the vine uh, and the plants, new hints and formation of the vineyards of England, <laughs> and this was done in 1790 in York. Wow. So this is, you know, people, well, wine goes back biblically well, and a course. lot further before that, and it's a, a whole book on vineyards, and it has uh, pictures, as I turn the page, uh, of, oh, yes. of the houses, the storage, and how to—there's a whole one here that folds out. Oh, my god! How gosh. the plants and how they grow. Um, another large one about the, the plant. So it, it's a big business. And even in the 1700s, it was a big business. So this is York, England, where this This is. This was York, England, yeah. Which makes sense because they're neighbors of the French and they're lots and Germans, lots of wine in that area. Right. And also the transportation and uh, moving things around was possible then. Obviously, people did it, but it wasn't as easy. You said 1790. 90. Okay. So the the new world was, was here. And but they hadn't gotten to California quite yet, maybe. <laughs> the, <laughs> a little yeah, bit. the Spaniards had gone into That's California, true. That's but true. but uh, you can collect fine books on wine that are a few years old. You can collect them that are twenty and thirty years old, and you can collect them that go back hundreds of years. And there are a lot of people who just collect books on wine. And where we got this one was we had uh, bought a collection north of Boston, and the man owned a wine store. And uh, it was actually a, a tricky wine story, uh, his son told me, because he was in New Hampshire, and New Hampshire only really has state-run stores, right. but they allow a few privately run, but they control the prices. <laughs> so it was a, a tricky business, but one he loved, and he had some posters on wine, which were beautiful, he had uh, cookbooks with wine recipes, and you can just go on and on. And uh, 
and not only a wine, one of the other things that's becoming very popular now are books on cocktails. You know, people uh, especially um, now, uh, almost every bar, every restaurant, some of them, they're all specialty. And this is uh, probably a card from, I would say, probably looking at it, it looks to me like it's probably the 30s, the 20s, 30s. 20s or 30s, right. And it's the Surf Club uh, Hotel Hindenburg in Trenton, New Jersey. But it shows a couple there, sort of, you can tell they're well-dressed. He's got a monocle. He's got a monocle. Uh, then they've got a couple of uh, cocktails. But you look inside, you can get a champagne cocktail for 50 cents, mm-hmm. a glass of port for 30 Um uh, and you can get a bottle of champagne for four dollars, half bottle twenty five, and you can get a really nice burgundy for seven dollars. <laughs> and they give fine music, only the best quality food, wines, and liquors. Uh, we want you to feel at home at the Surf Club. Any constructive suggestion or criticism will be welcome. Uh, I don't know about that always, but that's that's an, <laughs> that's another thing. But then they have sours, whiskey sour, apple sour, brandy co- ponies, cordials. Uh, let's see, what can you get? You can get an old tailor for 50 cents, uh, Tim, Tom Collins for 33 cents. And But what it's telling you is, you know, people are always going out drinking, but collecting of books about cocktails, especially from the 20s and 30s, has become very popular, too. Are you familiar with the Mr. Boston book? I've, uh, I've had the Mr. Boston. Uh, old Mr. It's one of the first books that, on how to collect uh, and how to make drinks. Recipes. And recipes right, for right, drinks. Right. And the first edition of that can sell for $750,000. Yeah. The very first, but it's really a little bit tricky just because it was so popular it came out in editions very, very quickly, probably up into the thousands of editions now. Right. It's still being produced, it's right, being... online and all that. But, uh, yeah, that that's familiar cool. to me. So let me just take a look at this, for uh, if I may. Sure. So this would be something, a uh, placard that would be on a table, like a menu? It was a menu. It's a menu. It's okay. basically a menu. So it's, actually, it's actually a very sharp-looking menu. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously. I love it. I love it. Obviously, somebody must have taken it with them. Probably they wanted you to take it with them because it's an advertisement Absolutely. for the for the club and uh, and for your remembrance. Imagine a slow gin fizz for forty cents. What a world! Yeah, except <laughs> except you probably also made twenty five cents an hour or something when yeah. you went to work. So exactly. it, it, it had a little that. And then this was in one of the collections uh, with the wine books, and I didn't know quite what to make of it. Um, and I, I haven't done any research yet, but there's a Wine, Spirits, and Cordials, 14 and 13 Dock Square, Boston, which is down near the waterfront, Faneuil Hall area. But the name of the company is Blanchard's. And that's one of the big package stores and uh, wine sellers now. And I'm going to do some research and figure out whether it's the same Blanchard company or whether, by coincidence, there were others. And this is from... It, it's not dated, but it's from around the 1870s, 80s. Just I, was, I was just thinking, Ken, and I know we've talked about this in the past in other areas, but the, the area of food and beverage is is such a rich area for you because we haven't even mentioned beer, which is another alcoholic drink, but I imagine there are tons of collections going on about beer. Well, one of the things that happens too – oh, yeah, there's loads yeah. of them in, in 
there's loads of people who want to make their own beer. That's true. So there's there's been a lot of books about making beer and mm. an interesting thing though, in almost any type of collecting, part of the value in price has a lot to do with the people collecting it. And people who collect and drink wine tend to spend a lot more money than they do on beer. Mm. Uh, one of the things I love to do, and this is a little off subject tangential, I love to bowl. I mean, I've done it all my life. I'm good, but I'm not anywhere good and good enough to time, time out. Yeah, because we're both New Englanders, Southern New Englanders. Are we talking candle pin bowling as well as the ten pin? I'm a much better candle pin bowler than I am a ten pin bowler. Which means you're a real bowler because those are tough to knock those pins. Yeah, down. but I but but <laughs> ten pin I also yeah. uh, do. But if you want to buy books on bowling and collecting, mm-hmm. most of them are very reasonably priced. Uh, they're harder to get. There weren't as many done, but you could put together a nice collection. If you want to collect early books on golf, you've got to have money because the people who belong to the country clubs who really get into collecting golf, they they have more money, so they pay more. I imagine polo would go pretty high as well, anything that's a high-end sport. Exactly. Yeah. So wine books on wine tend to go higher than books on beer because of who drinks wine and who drinks beer, mm-hmm. although that could be changing a little as time goes on now with all the craft beers. And boy, would I love to get a walk into a collection of old beer making, of, of the breweries, the history of the breweries. And a lot of it would be a lot of fun to get a collection of books on the equipment and the catalogs of selling all of the things that go with it. Uh, matter of fact, one thing that came with this uh, collection on wine is it was a really, really nice uh, print of corkscrews around the turn of the uh, oh. 19, a little after 1900. And we had been on uh, uh, at a, with some friends, and there was another friend there who we knew well, and we got a bottle of wine, and we didn't. Uh, we were searching around for a corkscrew. And Joyce pulled out, my wife, yeah. pulled out her Swiss Army knife. And so oh, there's a corkscrew on this. And the one of the people says, oh, no, we can't use that because if you don't properly open them. And he went into this like 10-minute explanation of the type of corkscrew that's right, how you turn it right, how you take it off right. And it was beyond us. But, <laughs> but the, the, the print... For the corkscrews, though, is in the process of being sent to this gentleman, and Joyce says you can use this as an example in your TED talk on, on corkscrews and opening wine. I know what you're saying. When you mentioned TED talk, there are so many uh, lectures and wine uh, seminars and and classes, even in the New England Boston area. So it, I imagine that makes so much sense. But that book goes to. 1795 from England, yeah. the original book. Uh, I would imagine there are many books from the early days of the the Americas too. Oh, absolutely. Because well, one of the things that when you get into beers and wine is that a lot of the water you didn't want to drink the water out of anything because yeah, didn't the pilgrims survive on beer and wine or yeah, beer anyway to a large degree because it was safer to yeah. drink than a lot of the water supplies. Uh, especially if your system wasn't used to it. So 
it, when people call me and they go out and they say, I have a collection of books on wine, I have a collection of books uh, on cocktails and so on, it doesn't take us a, a lot of convincing to make the appointment and get out there and, and, and bring them back and then calling people up who we know are interested in looking and, uh, and they can vary in price, but uh, wine is up there. Dare I say, this podcast is perfect for wine lovers. You just sit back, have a glass, and listen to what we have to say, what this man has to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm waxing poetic, but no, it's fascinating, and I appreciate that very, very much. And you got to research that Blanchard connection. I've got to research the Blanchard connection, <laughs> uh, but it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, but you can have maps. Some of the things that came with this were maps of the vineyards and oh, exactly. of France and which ones were better and explaining the temperatures. And then you could go to California and South America. It, it's a never-ending project, which is makes it fun. Go to brattlebookshop.com, dear friends. You can key in on previous podcasts, of course. Do subscribe and download. And also ask any questions you have of Ken, info at brattlebookshop.com. I toast you, sir, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. I'll sit back and have a glass now. (laughs) 